All right. Welcome, everybody, to episode number 50 of Collectible Live. Today is Thursday, October the 23rd, 2022. And my name is Jeremy Lee. I would like to thank everyone who tuned in last time and our guest, CEO's own C- Collectible's own CEO, Ezra Levine. We had an excellent episode. If you missed it, you definitely want to watch it. Lots of updates, lots of questions answered about what is going on within Fractional and at Collectible in particular. Check out that episode on both the Collectible app, YouTube channel, as well as the Sports Cards live YouTube channel. Let's bring out this week's guest. He is an expert in graded sports magazines. James Keough, welcome to Collectible Live. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Jeremy. Thanks for having me. This is going to be a ton of fun. All right. Well, hey, it is it is great to have you, James. You you love what you're interested in, which is a, which is I think the sign of a passionate collector. And uh, I can't wait to learn more about graded magazines. Uh, and to be honest, I've had some interest in in magazines over the years. I've saved the odd issue here and there, and I can't wait to get your opinion on that. Welcome everybody to the chat. Welcome to the show. Be sure to post your comments, your questions in the chat. We will get to as many of those as we can. But James, let's start off with my first question really is, how did you first start collecting graded magazines? Where did the foresight come from? Yeah, so when I was a kid, I was uh, I was a sports card collector. So this is during the 80s and that sort of thing. And I collected um, a, a ton of sports cards and uh, a little bit of comic books. I, you know, also starting lineups. You remember those the little figurines? Oh, yeah. I collected a ton of starting lineups and had all that sort of stuff. But, but I think for a lot of people that are in the graded magazine hobby, um, I had a subscription to Sports Illustrated. And it's interesting to think back. You know, this was the '80s, um, well before the internet started. Sports Illustrated was how we got all of our information. I mean, that was it. I mean, maybe you had ESPN and you could get some highlights and that sort of stuff, but. Really, that was how we got the information about our stars. And so Sports Illustrated, the magazine, was such a huge part of my childhood. We sat there, waited for it every week to show up in the mailbox. And I wonder who's going to be on the cover and, and, and just poured through it. And so I've got this, you know, obviously I've got a huge nostalgia to, to my favorite athletes, but I've got this nostalgia to the publication as well, because it was so important um, as a big sports fan, uh, you know, when I was a kid in the 70s and 80s and that sort of thing. So I had this, you know, fortunately, um, I had kind of this innate knowledge that, because I would save all the subscription issues that would come in the mail, but I had this kind of innate foresight to realize that a big, ugly mailing label with my name and address on it, um, if these things were ever going to be collectible, that really probably wasn't appealing. And so uh, when I would go to the grocery store with my mom or whatever, and one of my favorite athletes were on the cover, I would grab two or three copies of the newsstand. And I would just kind of hang on to them. I'd read my subscription issue, but I'd hang on to and save these newsstand issues. And really, that's how I started um, collecting magazines. And so then, you know, over years, you get thousands and thousands of them. Um, and I got out of I got out of sports cards and starting lineups and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, it's funny, you know, life gets in the way and you, you, you become an adult and you get married. and You have a house and have kids and and things get, uh, you know, other priorities come about. But fortunately for me, my parents saved all that, you know, junk from from, you know, when I was a kid. And I remember specifically that when I bought my first house, my wife and I bought our first house. um, My parents came to visit. My mom's like, we got a whole bunch of boxes in the back of the car that stuff for yours. uh, We're not saving them anymore. So if you want to take them. And um, so that's kind of how I started collecting. And then I, I, I literally didn't open them. And so I had them in the basement of my house. And um 
I'd say probably about 2018, 2019, we were moving. And so I was getting ready to move and I was just going through all this stuff and came across my old Sports Illustrated and had found out that there was a company that was grading them. And um, ever since then, I've just been in it with both feet and jumped in all the way. Wow. All right. Well, that's 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 interesting. And it makes a lot of sense because, you know, the one of the questions I was going to ask you is, why do you love these these magazines? And you sort of just answer that in terms of it's the nostalgia takes you back to when you were younger, waiting for that issue to arrive in the mailbox every week. Because SI was a it was a, a weekly publication. Is, is it still weekly? It's not. So they were acquired by a hedge fund um, in 2020. And since then, since sometime in 2020, they're now a monthly publication. But they were weekly forever, weren't they? Forever. Yes. So, and I'm going to try to draw some parallels between, you know, the magazine as a collectible versus other collectibles. And I think the, uh, you know, you mentioned it to me earlier today that it's kind of a cross section between sports cards and comic books because, comic books in terms of the the format it's a it's a magazine and sports cards because of the, of the content now when it comes to comic books i always wondered does everyone who collects comic books actually read the comic books books themselves and i don't know the answer to that i know that i've had a few issues here and there that i had read and thought they were cool but when it comes to sports illustrated like do you read the inside of of every issue that you have in your collection how how important is the content let's just get right into it how important is the content of an issue, you know, versus the cover of the issue? I imagine the cover is the number one most important feature of a Sports Illustrated magazine. But and when there's a cover, you usually have a feature to go along with it within the body of the magazine. And then there's all the other pages. How important are those other pages to the to a magazine to an issue? Yeah, so let's talk about that a little bit because it is a little bit different. And let's take a parallel to comic books. And with comic books, the, the content is really important. And a lot of times um, you'll have the first appearance of a major character, but they won't be on the cover. But when you get that comic book graded, it'll still say on the slab notes, it'll say, you know, first appearance of Wolverine or first appearance of Superman or something like that. And even though that person won't necessarily be on the cover, that issue becomes extremely collectible. A little bit different when it comes to magazines. It's all about the cover when it comes to magazines. So the interior content for collectors, at least so far, and again, this is just, this is just what I see in the market. Um, and, and, and when I talk to other collectors, it is all about that cover um, and the interior content isn't that much. And, you know, there's some I, I mean, there's some purists out there that hate to see magazines slabbed and graded because that means they'll never be read again. And there's certainly purists like that on the comic book side, too. The good thing is with Sports Illustrated is all of their issues are available digitally on their website um, and you can pick up. Uh, you know, if you really want to read the magazine too, there's still tons of ways to get very cheap, ungraded issues that aren't collectible so that you can actually read the magazine. And there are different things that make other issues collectible so that you can have that slab. So the content's still accessible um, for the purists and for the people that want to consume it. But the content inside the magazine does not, has, to this point, has not driven collectability. It's all about who's on the cover. What about the back cover? Because when you have a slab magazine, you can turn it over. That's 50% of what you can see of the 50% being the front cover, 50% being the back cover. You know, I'm thinking of T206 baseball cards where there's different backs, you know, representing different tobacco brands and that. Does the back cover have any relevance to the value or the or the the level of interest in, a, in an issue? Okay, so uh, uh, yes and no. 
So there's no collectability that I've seen in the marketplace based on what's on the back cover. However, the back cover is extremely important as it relates to grading. So the process of grading, you know, again, much different. If you come from the sports card side, it's totally different. But if you come from the comic book side, um, it, it, grading a magazine, very similar to grading a comic book. The cover is the most important thing. The back cover is the next most important thing as far as grading goes. And then the interior pages after that. So within the interior pages, and I've, you know, thinking about s certain magazines, maybe not sports magazines, and I don't know if Sports Illustrated does this or ever did, but the centerfold. I mean, I remember as a kid, you can guess what I'm talking about, thinking about the centerfold of a magazine, and that was a very interesting part of the overall publication. Is there is Does Sports Illustrated or other magazines have centerfolds? that are you know sports related magazines and is there any importance or interest in that and and again once it's slabbed it doesn't matter you can't see it but does that generate interest or value in a magazine so not unless it's something really historic and significant so for the most part it again going back to the content not being relevant uh to the collectability at least so far in the marketplace it really doesn't the only time you might see something different like that like uh, for example um the term amen corner famous for the Masters Golf Tournament. That was coined by a Sports Illustrated writer in 1958, I believe, in an article. And so the cover of that, Del Crandall, who is a, you know, a fine catcher, but not a collectible, uh, a collectible player, was on the cover of that. But that issue becomes much more collectible because it was the first time anybody had ever used the phrase Amen Corner. And so there are a handful of rare instances like that where the interior content, whether it's the centerfold or not, increases the collectability of it. But it's very rare and they're few and far between. So let, let's talk about then the collectability of issues, because if someone watching, listening right now decides that, hey, you know, I've got a bunch of SI magazines sitting somewhere, or I find this interesting, I find this intriguing, uh, maybe, you know, and, and they display so well compared to other collectibles, uh, they're flat for all intents and purposes, what makes an issue of Sports Illustrated collectible? And I have to think there are a few different criteria that go into it or a few different options of what will make it collectible. Can you take us through and educate us on what we should be looking for? Sure. So, so the first thing for anybody that's interested in this hobby, the very as it relates to collectability, the very first thing you've got to learn is the difference between a newsstand issue, which was purchased off of the newsstand at a grocery store or a Barnes & Noble or something like that, versus a subscription issue which would have been sent in the mail with a mailing label on it. Um, and it really comes down to rarity. I mean, that's kind of why we collect things. We like collectibles because they're few and far between and they're really rare. And Sports Illustrated has come out and said that over the years of their publication, they produce two to three million copies of every single issue every single week. Now, it's a big the best run. The best estimate is that we have that only two, maybe three or 4% of those millions of copies produced were newsstand issues. All the rest were subscription issues. So for the hobby, and it makes sense, whenever you've got millions of anything in the marketplace, it's tough to have it be collectible. And so for the most part, subscription issues are not collectible. What all the collectors want are newsstand issues, and it's because of the rarity they just did not produce nearly as many of them and from what i've seen and people i've talked to that have kind of collected and saved magazines for a long period of time the type of person that had a subscription issue got it in their mailbox every single week 
that's the type of person that would have held on to them. And so, again, the survivability of those subscription issues tends to be a lot higher. If somebody collected it, bought an issue off the newsstand, um, you know, they probably, it wasn't, they didn't have that affinity toward it that somebody with a subscription would have had. Either they were, you know, taking the train into work and they grabbed it off the newsstand. And once they read it, they threw it in the trash or they were on a flight going somewhere and they grabbed one at the airport or something like that. So, uh, so it, it really, newsstand issues are much more rare and that's where all the collectability is uh, with Sports Illustrated. Uh, I'd say beyond that, I, the collectability really follows sports cards. Um, and, and, and sports cards is the 800-pound gorilla in, in, in you know, any sort of sports memorabilia hobby or any of these other offshoot verticals and that sort of stuff. So what does everybody want in sports cards? They want that rookie card. So that's what really people are looking for in Sports Illustrated. It's driven by the first cover. Mickey Mantle's first cover was in 1956. That's the one everybody wants. Now, the other Mickey Mantle covers are certainly collectible, but everybody wants that 56 Mickey Mantle. Everybody wants Muhammad Ali's first appearance in 1963. Everybody wants Michael Jordan's first cover from 1983. Um, so, so, And then which stars are collectible? Again, driven by sports cards. Mickey Mantle is obviously huge and, and, and that sort of thing. And Jackie Robinson and Michael Jordan and LeBron and Kobe. And, and, and so really the market kind of looks towards sports cards as to which athletes are the most collectible and that kind of filters on over integrated magazines and which ones people want so over the years i mean i i was a subscriber back in the probably 80s 90s here here or there one you know a couple of years but i i do still have one issue that i bought a newsstand issue i remember buying it i don't remember the year exactly but it's early 90s i have to think and it was the issue that came out picture of magic johnson i think it just says magic across it and it was basically the issue that came out after he announced that he had contracted the hiv virus and i bought that magazine thinking oh my god magic's gonna die and i want right. to copy it i want to copy this magazine i mean thankfully look at magic johnson he's 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 i think done really well for himself uh health wise considering he has the, that virus uh, what's that magazine? Is did I do? How did I do uh, keeping that? And I still have it, and it's in good condition, but it's not graded or anything. Or am I one of a million people who went out that day and bought a copy from the newsstand? Yeah, you know, I think it's probably a collectible issue because it's Magic Johnson. I'm not quite sure that you know the the fact that it was the issue that it was announcing that he had HIV um, it doesn't add or detract from the collectability at all. But any issue, especially issues from the 80s and 90s with Magic Johnson on the cover are still going to be are still certainly going to be collectible. So, yeah, I, I would look into that. And again, it makes sense. Magic Johnson is extremely collectible in sports cards. Anything having to do with him on Sports Illustrated and any of his covers are certainly going to be collectible. However, not going to be nearly as collectible as his first cover in 1977 and his second cover in 1979. Okay. And is that first, second cover, more like a college cover, a pro cover? Is that sort of the thing there? Why, why is his second cover uh, more, more significantly more important than his third and fourth, as an example? Well, I, I think, I think, it, you know, that generally, you know, sports cards view it the same way. I mean, if, if you can't afford a, a, a superstar's rookie card or their first cover, people generally gravitate toward the second cover if they are second, you know, second sports card that they had out. And if they can't get that one, then they go to the third one. Also, they're the older ones too. Um, but to go back to answer your question, yeah, those Magic Johnson's first two covers were him at Michigan State. 
And so okay. his, first, his first pro cover, I think, with him on the Lakers came out in 1980. And so then there's a different level of collectability there as all as well. So and again, it's good. You know, the company that grades magazines is CGC. They're the largest comic book grader in the world and, and highly reputable. Um, but they're doing a better job. I love what graded game tickets have done with the little information that they put on the slab, you know, Mickey Mantle's 500th home run game, you know, Derek Jeter's first appearance in a major league baseball game. CGC is getting better at using those slab comments to help tell the story. And first pro cover is a story that makes something more collectible. Okay. That's the first time I'm going to see magic Johnson in a Lakers uniform. Um, Will Chamberlain played for the, you know, played in Philly, he played in San Francisco, and then he played for the Lakers. And so that Wilt Chamberlain cover from 19, I think it's 1967, um, with him and his first time in a Lakers in a Lakers uniform is a little bit more collectible than 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 an average run of the will run of the mill Wilt Chamberlain cover. All right. One more question on on covers and collectability. Obviously, a a uh, a single appearance on a cover. So one athlete, whether it's you know Mickey Mantle, Michael Jordan, Wayne Gretzky. Uh, LeBron, Kobe, we can go on, Muhammad Ali. What about those issues that commemorate the World Series championships, the Super Bowl championships, Stanley Cup, those sorts of things where you have more than one athlete on the cover? Are those collectible at all? Or are those like, like the first New York Yankees World Series or maybe, yes, I wasn't around back then, but you know what I mean? Is there anything there in terms of a, a team photo on the cover or multiple players? So I think so. Let's talk about two different things here, because one one you're asking about the commemorative issues, um, and then let's talk about multiple athletes on a cover. So the commemorative issues come out under technically a separate publication name. It's called SI Presents, and so these are the these are the issues that you know every time somebody wins an NBA championship or a Super Bowl or when a major athlete retires, um, Sports Illustrated will produce a separate magazine. It's not distributed to the subscribers. It's only available on the newsstand. It's called SI Presents. And CGC in their in their census lists those separately. Um, so for whatever reason, collectors in this hobby in the market aren't don't gravitate toward those SI Presents nearly as much as they do the weekly covers. Not really sure why that is. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a great example. Um, which I did on one of my videos recently. Uh, so let's equate it to sports cards. So Mickey Mantle's, the Mickey Mantle card everybody wants is 52 tops. But he had a 51 Bowman that was before that. Not sure why the 51 Bowman isn't as collectible. Everybody gravitates toward the 52 tops. So, so, so let's take that to modern times. Tom Brady's first Sports Illustrated cover technically was a Sports Illustrated Presents. It was the 2002 commemorative cover after the um, Patriots won the Super Bowl in 2002. came out in February 2002. It has the headline, Amazing. His first weekly Sports Illustrated cover didn't come out until two months later in April, and its headline was The Natural. For whatever reason, collectors want the weekly issue that came out two months after the Sports Illustrated Presents issue. So um, not quite sure why that is, but I always thought that was a really interesting parallel to uh, to the 51 Bowman 52 Tops of Mickey Mantle. Well, I think part of it is those SI Presents uh, issues are, are commemorative issues. And oftentimes I see magazines on the newsstand that say collector's edition. And that means that like, and maybe SI Presents puts that on their, I'm not sure, Time Magazine I think does with some of theirs. But now that's going, they're doing that to incentivize collectors to buy maybe one or more copies, put them away. Whereas the, the SI Weekly was really, that was your, 
that was your 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 reader your reader copy for your your bus or train ride to work or your Sunday reading, whatever it was. So I think it I think it ties into scarcity and condition and rarity. There would be my very uh, novice opinion on that or thoughts on that. No, I think you're absolutely right. I think there is you know there's something about collectors that when the producer of the item sits here and says, "Hey, this is the collector's one." We're kind of like, mm, "No, uh, it isn't." Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe not. So I think yeah. that's part of it. But let's go to the other part. I'm going to show you an example here. Let's go to the other part about what you know. Multiple athletes on a cover here. So this is. I'm going to try and keep the glare off it. This is Kobe Bryant's first Sports Illustrated cover. So this is from 1998. Uber collectible, hugely collectible. Kobe Bryant's amazing. Magic Johnson's on the cover with him. To me, and from what I see in the marketplace, that's certainly the fact that Magic is also on the cover ups the collectability of this issue. Not only for two reasons, I think. Not only is Magic an all-time great and a Hall of Famer and all that sort of stuff, but it also kind of symbolizes the passing of the torch from the Showtime-era Lakers of the 80s with Magic Johnson to the Kobe and Shaq championship Laker teams of the you know 2000s and that sort of stuff. So, yes, yeah. absolutely. Um, Having multiple Hall of Famers on a single cover absolutely in- increases the collectability of it, and and this is a, a good example I wanted to show. That's a, that's a, a nice a nice uh, addition right there. All right, we haven't gone to the comments yet. We've got several, so let's go to the comments, take some questions, and let's find out what we have here. First of all, Mod Cult Collectibles, welcome to the live stream. Studio Sports in the house. Happy Sunday to the hobby family. Rick Ellsmore says two of the best in the hobby. Jeremy, Jim, graded magazines are great. Collectibles and display so well. Brian Adams says, I'm here now. They grade everything now. Beckett is grading VHS tapes. Yes, they are grading VHS tapes. Dave Snyder says it's because they are findable. I think in terms of, uh, this is an old comment already, but just talking about the, the SI magazines themselves says the insert material is the crossover, talking about crossover to sports cards. And I'm not sure what Dave means by insert material. I asked you earlier, you know, what about all the advertisements for other subscriptions to other magazines, those those little cards that get stuck in between the pages and fall out if you you kind of fan a magazine like this versus, you know, um, perforated card sheets that are in the shape of a page of a magazine that are in there as well. Speak a bit to inserts within the magazine. Educate us on that, uh, James. Yeah, so CGC does a really good job of putting on the slab and in the slab notes whenever there are inserts in there. And we all are familiar with the, you know, the little subscription cards that, you know, Sports Illustrated wants you to fill them out and mail them into them so that, you know, you would get a subscription to it. Um, Anytime there's an insert that's noted on the slab, whether or not those inserts are present. There's also a lot of other a lot of other advertising inserts. This was really big in the 80s and 90s. Magazines would have uh, like cologne ads where you could like open it up a little bit and, and it would smell like, you know, Ralph Lauren Polo or Dracar Noir. Or I'm dating myself with all these. Yeah, I remember clearly. Colognes. Um, from what I've seen, you know, collectors really don't care about that at all but they are noted when they are present uh, on the slab label. I will tell you that those can present some challenges when it comes to grading. And, you know, this is something, you know, Jeremy, you and I didn't talk about. Um, magazine pressing is, is, it, it is, again, this comes from comic books, and this is fully sanctioned by CGC. In fact, it's a service that you can pay CGC to do for you. It's basically where you take the magazine and you put it in a heat press um, to get out any wrinkles or, 
you know, defects to help improve your grade. Now, I get it. If you're coming from the sports card side, you're like, what the heck are you doing? Because if you do that, PSA is going to label it altered and they're not going to grade it and send it back to you. But it's totally different on the magazine and comic book side. So um, pressing is something that a lot of collectors do before they get their magazines graded that helps improve the grade and take out defects. But but those inserts create challenges associated with that. And so what I see is a lot of people that press will actually take those inserts out because the collectors don't care about whether the inserts are present. And having those in there when you press a magazine can create problems and, and other sorts of other sorts of abnormalities in the magazine. Yeah, just like wrinkles or little bumps even because they're That's extra exactly material right. in there. Yeah. Mod, Mod Cult Collectible says there are apps now where you can subscribe to read unlimited comics and now you don't have to risk damaging the actual comics themselves, which is very good for the collectors. But it also does increase the, the, the population of the ones that are in really good condition because now you don't need to read them anymore. So exactly right. So that, so let's talk about that for a second, because, you know, Sports Illustrated still produces a monthly magazine that you can go to Barnes and Noble and, and you know, buy off of the newsstand there. Um, and you can subscribe to Sports Illustrated's digital publication where you get access to their entire archive. So, for example, um, uh, let's use Luka Doncic. Luka Doncic and Trey Young were on the same cover in November 2021, and it was their first cover for each. Highly collectible. A lot of people went out to the newsstands and bought that copy to get it graded. Now I don't have to open it and read it. I can just go to SI's website, read all the content from Sports Illustrated there, and still have my pristine unread copy of Luka Doncic and Trey Young's first cover. Yeah, 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 it's helpful. Hat Trick Hobby says, do we see growth in this part of the industry? So I don't know if he's speaking to the industry as the sports card and memorabilia industry or a different industry, but why don't we just take the question uh, as it pertains to the collectability and the and the the amount of, of collectors there are, serious collectors, not just the ones keeping their old their old issues in boxes, but what is how what's your perspective or thoughts on the size of the the sports illustrated magazine collector base i'll just leave it at that yeah so look graded magazine it's never going to be sports cards it's never going to be comic books those things have been collected uh, you know a tried and true collecting community really since the 60s if not earlier for both magazine collecting has really only kind of been well, really, since CGC started grading them, CGC started grading magazines in 2009, but it was really kind of 2017, 18 and 19 when the when the hobby started to take off. So, you know, uh, you know I, it's ne so it's never going to be sports cards. It's never going to be comic books, but it is certainly while still a small vertical, um, certainly a growing segment of the hobby. Uh, and I see that anecdotally with, you know, the people that subscribe to my social media and my YouTube and who DM me all the time, which I love and that sort of thing. But I think you can take a look at it with pricing as well. Um, you know, for example, uh, let, let, let's use, um, uh, the, the, okay, the very first LeBron James cover. In fact, let's, I've got it here. Let's take a look at it. So this is LeBron James, first Sports Illustrated cover. It came out in 2002. Um, and, and, and just so you know, 9.8, that's like a, that's like a PSA 10 and as far as magazines go. Uh, and I won't get into the weeds on all of that. But this issue, I would say this issue two years ago was selling all day on eBay and other auction sites for probably about $3,000. Um, just last month, it sold on Heritage. This issue, 9.8, sold for $9,000. Um, so there's certainly growth in pricing. There's certainly growth in the number of people that are participating in the hobby. Um 
you know, like sports cards, it seems like every month we're setting an all-time record. Uh, it was about a year ago when the highest price ever paid for a, a graded copy of Sports Illustrated was $11,000. And that was uh, Michael Jordan first cover at 8.5. Um, you know, that got broken several times uh, over the last few months. And in April earlier this year, um, the, a new record was set. Uh, Wayne Gretzky's first Sports Illustrated cover from 1981, graded at 9.4, sold for $30,000. It was actually purchased by the collectible app. Um, I, I see it over your right shoulder. Yeah, let's talk about this. I've got an example. So this is one example of it. I've got, I've got something I'm going to talk about this specifically. So yeah, this is the this is the issue. Now this is graded at 8.0, uh, but the one that was graded at 9.4 was bought by the collectible app on Heritage Auction for thirty thousand dollars in April. Uh, collectible, you know, made it available as a fractional investment to their uh, to their uh, community and uh, with a market cap of thirty seven thousand dollars, and it uh, and it sold out pretty darn quickly. Um, there's a Mickey Mantle. First cover from 1956, graded at 9.4, that is, I believe, is going to be up for auction on Heritage's website in the coming weeks. I, my guess is it's probably going to break that Wayne Gretzky record. Mm. So, so I think that, you know, it, it's tough to pin down how many people are in this hobby. From my perspective, as somebody that, you know, does this a lot and has been doing this for years, there's certainly tons of new people coming into this hobby, mostly from sports cards and comic books every single week. And we are seeing, um, you know, on the high end prices, you know, rising pretty dramatically as all collectibles have, you know, in the last couple of years. Yeah. Okay. Let's keep going here. T dot. Uh, good evening to you. And uh, hat trick hobbies says any sort of ROI on this for the future. And I, you know, I think that's a, that's a, <laughs> it's an interesting question because if this, if it grows, if, if the magazine collector base continues to grow, there would be ROI if you're getting in on it now, but is it has the train left the station yet? What are your thoughts on where where the magazine collecting hobby invested the investment caliber of it is? Yeah, so I you know I, I think we talked probably the bottom of the second inning as far as the hobby goes. I think it's still really early. You know, as far as ROI for the future, you know, I, I hate to speculate on that because it is just speculation. Here, here's here's what I'll say. Um, you know, there's a number of things that make these collectible. They display fantastically. I mean, they display, I mean, nothing against sports cards. I'm not in the sports card area anymore, but to me, sports cards and game tickets don't display very well. Um, or at least I should say not as well as these magazines do. They display well. The photography on the covers is amazing. Sports Illustrated was known for their award-winning photography. So, so they, they have this amazing aesthetic appeal to them. Then I think the next thing that collectors love about it is the rarity. Um, you know, you can, you know, I, the fact that there are, you know, what, 350 Michael Jordan Fleer rookie cards at PSA 10, and that thing still sells for $200,000 and, and eight months ago was selling for half a million dollars. I, 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 that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I get it. But man, to pay $200,000 for something where there's 350 of them just like it out there. Um, we're talking about really rare items in, 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 in graded magazines. And again, I think it's much similar to comic books too. Um, you know, the first Superman cover, there's only a handful about those out there that are graded. I can go back to the first Mickey Mantle cover. So the first Mickey Mantle cover in 1956, there is one 9.6 in existence, in existence. There are no 9.8s. There are four or five 9.4s. There's probably less than a hundred of that magazine and newsstand graded in total. So collectors love the rarity because they can sit here and say, I'll show you this one. 
So this is Yogi Berra's first Sports Illustrated cover from 1955. It's rated at 9.6. There's no 9.8. There's only two 9.6s in the world. And I've got one of them in my stinking hands here. It's awesome. That's what collectors love. They love to be able to sit here and say, I got this and I'm the only one or there's only two or three of us that have this in the whole world. Let's see that because that is a an amazing image. I mean, that that's beautiful. It is. And I, I talk about this on my videos a lot. A couple of things. These are a work of art. This the, the, I love the tight, close-up, intimate photograph of Yogi Berra, probably arguably the greatest catcher of all time. And he's got his catcher's mask on. Yeah, this is yeah. something that to me, sports cards don't do. Um People don't collect that Mike Trout rookie because it's just an amazing, beautiful-looking photograph of Mike Trout. People collect these because, man, this is an incredible image of Yogi Berra. Yeah, so I think that ra- I think that I think that rarity is 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 a huge part of why people collect newsstand issues. And I'm going to show you another one too. And again, I think this is where magazines do better than sports cards. Again, is capturing history. I don't know what you know. You know, again, I'll go to a, a Michael Jordan's Fleer rookie card. I have no idea when that photograph was taken. I don't know if it was taken in an important game or if it was just a generic run-of-the-mill Michael Jordan game that year. This is the 1980 USA Hockey Miracle on Ice photo. This is captures that moment in history so beautifully. The Cold War, the Americans going against the Soviet Union, our college amateurs versus their Russian professional team. There was no way that, you know, the United States hockey team was supposed to win that. It's probably one of the greatest upsets in sports history, transcends sports. Yet here I've got an amazingly beautiful representation of that. So I think I think all of those things, whether it's the display and the aesthetics of it, the rarity of it, and the fact that it does an amazing job of just capturing that snapshot moment in time and a piece of that history um, is why collectors love them. Yeah, I, th- I think they, they are works of art because the, the artistry comes in the photography that is featured on the covers, whereas with, with sports cards, I mean, the cards themselves are works of art, especially, you know, some of the older ones. Nowadays, uh, and, and in this more creative era that we've seen from the mid-90s forward, a lot of the artistry comes from the design of the card itself, not the photo used, but how the photo used is integrated with all the other aspects and, and design elements of the card. So I think cards are works of art as well, but it's just a different type because these magazines don't have borders on them and they have the Sports Illustrated name, some other words that just that speak to what other features are in the magazine, but there's no foil covers. There, and maybe there are sometimes I recognize, but you know, there's, there's very little uh, additional design elements besides the photographs themselves. Yeah, and I, I'll, I'll tell you, it's that photography which sets Sports Illustrated ahead of all the other sports magazines out there. I mean, there was Sport Magazine, there was Baseball Digest, there was Sporting News and all these sorts of things. And those, I mean, some people collect them and that sort of stuff, but there's not a large market for them. It was really Sports Illustrated and their award-winning photography, which is why people are gravitating, one of the reasons why people are gravitating to that specific publication. Yeah. Brian Adams says, for me, it's about the cover artwork that I like. So that's uh, exactly what we are talking about right now. Game Time Gallery says, unlike sports cards, you don't see counterfeits in magazines. And does that still hold true? Um, So it would probably be a lot harder to counterfeit. I I haven't heard of it. It would probably be a lot harder to counterfeit a magazine because you're not just talking about um, a single piece of cardstock. You're talking about a magazine that's got 60, 80, 90 pages inside of it. You'd have to counterfeit the entire thing. Um, 
we haven't seen any of that, haven't heard any of that. And I think there has been, you know, again, the fact that the grading company CGC is the world's largest comic book grader in the world, uh, um, you know, their graders are experts. I think there has been a little bit of that in comic books. So their, their graders are trained to spot things when they don't look right. But sure. it hasn't been an issue yet. Uh, DR says, do people grade newspapers and sports sections of newspapers? Have you heard of that? Yeah, so that's a great question. So the, the 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 downside of CGC grading magazines is they will only grade magazines that are eight and a half by 11 and smaller and less than a half inch thick. So there are some size limitations. So there are some magazines that aren't sports related, like Rolling Stone magazine. Rolling Stone, again, amazing award-winning photography, have some iconic covers, but that was an oversized publication and it's just too big and nobody's grading them that big. Life Magazine, another example, some amazing sports athletes on Life Magazine. And I think people are nostalgic over Life Magazine as it was such a big publication in the 40s and 50s. Again, that was an oversized publication. And so um, uh, the sizing is what's restricting the grading of newspapers, I think. Yeah, fair. Uh, Rick Ellsmore says those covers Jim shared are so nice. Yep, got to agree with that. Uh, T-Dot says magazines don't have the same nostalgia as cards or emotional connection. So, right. I mean, I, I don't think that's true. I think that they do have the same nostalgia or emotional connection, just not in the same magnitude, not the same amount of people, because I, I, I do think that more kids in those 70s and 60s, 70s and 80s and 90s were collecting cards versus, you know, subscribing to and reading the magazine or having that nostalgia but the ones that do, and you're a prime example, the reason why I say I don't agree with TDOT's comment is because your nostalgia for, for magazines is the same as the nostalgia that I have for cards. It's based on those similar experiences we had when we were younger. So I think the nostalgia itself is, is extremely similar. I just think there's way more people collecting cards then and now than the magazines. Does that make sense? It does. And and look, this isn't a competition. Um, you know, th this is, you know, sports cards are always going to be bigger than graded magazines. There's no way that it'll ever be, you know, come anywhere near to the breadth and scope that's, that the sports card industry is. Um, but, you know, people have that nostalgia for comic books. People have that nostalgia for newspapers, like somebody just mentioned before. So, um, yeah, I, I think it depends on the, you're exactly right. It's the scale that the sports card industry is that probably leads somebody to believe that. But man, like I said, there are plenty of us that have that nostalgia, not only for the athletes, but for the publication, um, because it was such an important, it was what connected us to our athletes because before the internet, that's all we had. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we had the daily newspaper where we could get the box scores. And then we had, if, you know, and then we had sports illustrated every week where we got those in-depth feature articles and everything. Exactly. Game Time Gallery says my favorite SI cover is the 1959 Nelly Fox, Louis Aparicio, A Thing of Beauty. And uh, Muhammad here says your top three covers, James. Okay, so I'll give you I'll give you the what the market, what I think the what the what the hobby says are the most three collectible covers. And they're the 56 Mickey Mantle, the 63 Muhammad Ali first cover and the 1983 Michael Jordan first cover. I think the hobby has said that those are probably the three biggest ones and, and probably not a surprise because those are all massive superstars. You know, for me, I mean, you know, my top three is going to be a little bit different. So I, 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 uh, um, I'm 48 years old. I was 10 years old and living in the suburbs of Chicago when the Bulls drafted Michael Jordan. So I was destined to become a Jordan fanatic and freak and have been my entire life. And so for me, it's anything with Jordan. 
on the cover. So I, you know, my top three would be three Jordan covers. Actually, one of them specifically um, would be the cover from 1992 after they won their second NBA championship and beat the Trailblazers that year. It's a great Jordan cover, but the reason why that's one of my top covers, that's an issue that my mom bought for me at the grocery store and put in a box. I put in a box and it sat in a box for 20, 30 years and I got it graded and it graded at a 9.8. So for me, you know, it's a little bit different because there's some nostalgia and some family aspect to it. And that was something that, you know, I had bought originally or my mom had bought for me originally. And so that's one that I'll, you know, never sell and have my entire life. Yeah, that, that's the way it should be. I think it's important exactly. to have those, those personal uh, personal pieces as well. Brian Adams says here that he has two Shohei Otani uh, Sports Illustrated uh, issues, the hitter version and the pitcher version that he's going to send in for grading. So this leads me to ask you about kind of these parallels or multi-cover issues. Uh, how, how are those received by the collecting community? Yeah, so very well. Um, so again, so they're called variants, and that's a comic book term. So variants in comic book have been and comic books have been around for a long time. It's essentially the interior content is the same, but they have different covers that they distribute. And so Sports Illustrated started doing this. They did it a little bit in the '90s, not a whole lot. They really ramped it up in the 2000s and like 2010 to like 2017. They were doing a ton of these, and they're called regional variants. So they would produce the same magazine, but they'd have a different cover and a different back and they would distribute them regionally. So for example, there's a famous one from 2008. It's the NBA's um, NBA preview issue. And there are six different covers. Kobe's on one that was going to be distributed in the, in, you know, in the Southwest in the Los Angeles region. LeBron was on another Dwayne Wade was on another cover, but there's six different athletes. And those are so great and so collectible because it makes them even more rare. Sports Illustrated wasn't producing, they weren't cranking out more magazines. They didn't produce six times the number of magazines. They produced the same number of magazines that week, but split it up into all of those covers. So I think that that, that's, you know, Kobe and LeBron were both on there and there were six different covers produced in that week. I think those are probably the rarest and hardest to find Kobe and LeBron issues out there. And so that makes them really collectible. And I love the the specific issue that this person is talking about because it's not Shohei's first cover. Shohei's first cover, um, was also a variant, but it had Mike Trout on it. But last year, they produced this great cover, two different covers. Shohei was on both of them, one of them going through his pitching windup, and the other one swinging as a batter. And and I, I, I love those covers, and you should definitely get those graded because those are fantastic. Right on, right on. Mod Cult says a lot of those SI slabs would look great on the wall, and I think that's a, that's one of the beautiful things with them is that they do display so well they are you want to look at the hey i want to look at my cards but a lot of times they're you know they're they're harder to display unless you have a ton of shelving uh real estate available a dr makes this comment here says i could easily see historians and political scientists gravitating towards graded magazines of politicians and historical events so what can you what can you uh, inform us on in terms of the collectability of what other magazines are collectible or are you, are you personally only into sports illustrated? What about old, what about Jim? What about Beckett magazines? What about as TDOT talks about the old sticker books that we used to buy and put stickers in with Wayne Gretzky on the cover is, are these also collectible? So I think for, for what I'm seeing in the market, Anything outside of Sports Illustrated, for the most part, is is speculative. Doesn't mean you shouldn't collect them. I mean, the, the you know the first rule in collecting is collect what you love. 
Um, you are seeing a little bit more of a market for graded game programs, vintage Super Bowl programs, World Series programs, that sort of stuff. And I think there's great parallels between that and game tickets. Um, but yeah, there are other magazines that are graded. So I've got a couple of sports ones here. This is, um, it's a crime. Jackie Robinson was never on the cover of Sports Illustrated. An absolute crime. But this is his first cover on Time magazine. And this was uh, 1947. So yes, uh, I think people try to stick toward the well-respected publications, especially for vintage. So we're talking about Time, Newsweek, that sort of thing. But but very, very collectible. Um, I've got a number of, uh, let's see, great story. Joe Montana in 1982, right before the uh, 1982 Super Bowl, he was the first athlete to ever appear on Sports Illustrated, Time, and Newsweek the same week. So I've got all three of those. Very cool. This certainly is very collectible. Um, historical figures. So I've got a few of those. I, I, I don't have any with me to show right now. But yeah, I think that there's certainly it could in the future be a market for, you know, John F. Kennedy's first Time magazine cover in 1961 during his inauguration. Um, I've seen people that have got the first uh, Albert Einstein. I think it was 1938 was the first time he was on the cover of Time magazine and have gotten that graded. So absolutely. I think there's definitely um, some interest in historical figures. Um, let's talk about other publications. So this is Slam Magazine. Um, and Slam Magazine, I'd say outside of Sports Illustrated, Slam probably has the next level of collectability out there. This was a basketball-only publication that started in the mid-90s. And I think if you're that era and that generation, I think there's there, there's a lot of us, or there's a lot of people out there. Slam was, is to them what Sports Illustrated was to us guys that are a little bit older. So this is Alan Iverson's first Slam cover um, from 1999 really collectible. The first Kobe cover, the first LeBron cover from Slam. I've got the first Jordan cover um, from 1995 in Slam. So Slam certainly has um, a good bit of collectability. And then one more thing, as long as we're talking about alternate publications, this is the before the Super Bowl. This is the 1964 NFL championship game program. That's Jim Brown on the cover. Um, I, I've absolutely loved these. I own a ton of vintage World Series programs, old Super Bowl programs, AFL, NFL championship programs, NFL championship programs before it was called the Super Bowl. Um, I, I just think that they are, again, um, aesthetically pleasing. They display great and just an amazing piece of history. This was in the stadium when the Browns won the championship that year. This was in the stadium right there. Um, and I think it was the last time the Browns won the championship in 1964. So I, I these, these are, these are very cool. This is an emerging segment uh, within the, the graded magazine and game program hobby, but man, these are, these are just as cool as can be. Yeah. So that's so cool. What about Beckett magazines? Now, I mean, this is maybe only going to appeal to card collectors who maybe that's a bit of crossover nostalgia as well. I mean, I remember in the late 80s through the 90s, it was you just could not wait for that next issue to come out. And who was going to be on the cover was the talk of the town until it actually came out. So is there is that something you're interested in? Is there are you even aware of any community or collectability towards old Beckett magazines or, or current ones? What can you tell us about that? Yeah, I, I, people just want to collect what's cool. And so, yeah, I don't have any Beckett's graded, but certainly the the very first Beckett basketball, Michael Jordan was on the cover. That in an ultra high grade is is certainly collectible and those sell um, on a fairly regular basis. Somebody actually just ended last night, Heritage Auctions, 
had a copy of the very first Beckett magazine ever produced. It's kind of got this light blue cover. Yeah. Um, and that sold on Heritage Auctions last night. So, yeah, there is my, my favorite Beckett was the Bo Jackson one. They yeah. had that Bo Jackson cover. It was black and white, and he's got the shoulder pads on, and he's got the baseball bat. It was kind of an iconic image that was used in a lot of places. That's my favorite Beckett, and I've seen definitely seen people get that graded. And, uh, and yeah, there's a market for it, certainly smaller. But, yeah, there's people out there. I think that's the cool part. Um, people are just getting graded whatever they think is cool because they like it. Yeah. Collect what you like. And you know what? If it's worth something, awesome. And if it's not, it's still just a cool piece of memorabilia. What about uh, what about SI for kids? And and with SI for kids, is there a difference if the cards are still in them or if they've been removed? So uh, a couple of questions here. So SI for kids, a little bit, not a whole lot. So what I what I think drives the collectability of SI for kids are really the cards. I mean, that Larry Johnson issue from the 90s was the famous one that had the Tiger Woods rookie card in it that was, you know, really hot last year or whatever like that. I can't tell you if the cards are missing, it is going to destroy your grade. Um, you'll probably get back a, 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 a 0 0.5 or maybe a 1.0 or it may even come back NG, which is not graded. Okay, so, yes, if you're, if you're collecting SI for, uh, you know, they cgc views that as a missing page because it was yeah. a page in the magazine so if a page is missing it's going to destroy your grade yeah and that, that makes perfect sense to me uh dr wants to know do they grade the sports illustrated swimsuit issue and if they do is there is there fanfare for that there is um and i've got some i don't have them easily accessible or else i'd show you some of them absolutely yeah so I, there's an entire subset of people that only collect swimsuit issues um, and so it's really interesting. And so, yeah, uh, I think a lot of people like the, the, the vintage issues, you know, the first swimsuit cover was 1954. So sports illustrated did a swimsuit in 54, 55 and 57. And then they didn't do it for a number of years. And then in 1964, they started doing it again and they've done it every year since. So absolutely. There's, there's an entire subset of people out there that don't mess with the athletes and just want the swimsuit covers. And those were, you know, big stuff, Kathy Ireland, Christy Brinkley, yeah. Cheryl Teagues. Um, oh, Derek. You know, Kate Upton. I mean, th th they've got fan bases and following. So, yes, there's for collectability sure. there for sure. Mohammed asked, did the Gretzky magazine sell out quickly on the collectible app? I don't know how fast it did, but were you following it? How how quickly do you know? I, I, it... I, I, I was following it pretty closely. I, you know what? I'm not quite sure because there was a pre-sale and then there was a general sale to the public. But my recollection is it was about a week and it was all sold out. Yeah. So that, okay. I mean, again, I don't know how that compares to others in the fractional space, but yeah, that was pretty quick. Let me ask you this question. How many graded magazines do you have in your collection? <laughs> um, I currently have, oh, I'd say probably about three or 400. Is that okay. bad? Is that bad? My bears, but you got to think about it. This is a, I mean, well, they're, I know that the slabs are heavy. They're bigger. They take they're up more big. room. So here, here's the here's the Luka Doncic, Trey Young first cover that I was talking about earlier. This is a big item. So they, they do take up a lot of space. Um, and, and I think I probably would have – I actually sold a bunch just to – because I was running out of space. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I've, I've probably got about three or four. All right. No, I think that and, and, and an embarrassingly number of them out at CGC, more being graded at CGC right now. How much does it cost to grade a, a, an SI magazine with uh, CGC? 
Yeah, so let's talk about again. I'll assume most people are coming from sports cards and some difference between the two. So, but so let's keep uh, this one quick because I have some more questions. We're running out of time. Okay, so uh, it, it starts at $32 and goes up from there. $32 takes about a year. That's about how far they're backed up. You can pay for walkthrough service, which would which starts at $150 minimum, and you can get it back in a couple of weeks. Okay, okay. So uh, not, not, not too bad. Um, all right, I also wanted to ask you about autographs. And I mean, it seems to me like a lot of people over the years, a Sports Illustrated magazine would be a great medium to have autographed by your favorite athlete if they were on that cover. Uh, is there an is there a whole other community of collectors that want the autograph versions? And are they gradable if they're autographed? Do they grade the autograph as well? Can you just give us a nice succinct kind of overview of autographs and uh, SI magazines? Man, that's going to be tough, but I'll do my best. Okay, yes, there's an entire community of autograph collectors out there who have used Sports Illustrated as their primary medium. Very big, not not people that are necessarily interested in getting them graded, but yes, they use Sports Illustrated as that media. Yes, you can get autographs graded by CGC. It is extraordinarily tricky and difficult because they do not authenticate third-party autograph authenticators. So if you send in something that's been authenticated by JSA, Beckett, PSA, and that sort of stuff, CGC is going to treat it like any other writing on the magazine. So they're going to downgrade you for that writing on the magazine. CGC has a separate program that they do called Signature Series. It's the highest standard. It has to be a CGC authorized uh, person has to witness that signature when it takes place. That's the only way you can qualify for that yellow label. So it's complicated. Okay. No, that, that makes sense to me. I think it's funny that they treat it as any other writing on the magazine, but, uh, but I guess that's okay. What are, you know, when it comes to cards, we, and you have the cards, you know, graded cards, centering is number one for almost everybody. You've got surface, you've got edges and corners. What are like, and listen, I mean, a lot of people know about this because of comic books. I don't collect comics, so I don't know. Let's pretend we're novices here, and some of us are, myself included. Um, what are the key features of a magazine that the graders look at when they grade a magazine? So they're going to go to the spine and the edges every single time. So whenever a magazine is opened, you're putting stress on that spine because this is all one piece of paper, the front and the back. So when a magazine is opened, you put stress on that spine and the color starts to flake off. So that's the first thing the graders go to every single time. And then it's the corners. Is there a crease? Um, if there's a crease, has the color broken? Because sometimes there's a crease and there's been no damage to the ink. Other times there's a crease and, and, and you know, there's a little white line there too. So those are the big things. I always tell new collectors, go straight to the spine. Look for the vast majority of your flaws are going to be there. All right. No, I appreciate that. And that was nice and succinct. Thank you very much. Um, I want to I want to hear a little bit about the, the the magazine collecting community. I mean, sports cards, we have communities everywhere. There's tens of thousands of Facebook group communities. You've got all the social media platforms, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter. All, I love how you know it's called Hobby Twitter is the, the community right. on there on Twitter. As far as magazines go, graded magazines. I don't. I'm not really aware of there being a community until I followed you on Instagram. And I saw that, you know, there's, there are some others as well. The ticketing world, I mean, tickets sort of popped out out of nowhere, getting their moment kind of in, in the spotlight as far as the, the, the greater sports collecting hobbies go. And there's a community. I've come to follow several ticket collectors and I see they're interacting. There's a great ticket community. 
how does the mag the graded magazine collecting community compare in size and passion to say tickets and then sports cards yeah i think it's like we talked about earlier it just, you know the the magazine community just doesn't have the scale that that sports cards has um or even game tickets but it's certainly out there i mean you know, you can find me on every social media platform and a YouTube channel. There are several other people out there that are that are you know creating YouTube and video content. There's a lot of Instagram uh, postings that take place. I, I would say just I would search um, Sports Illustrated on any social media platform or or, or something like that. You're going to come across the you know the handful of us out there that are that are creating content on a regular basis. But it certainly is. It's certainly smaller. It's certainly never going to be what sports cards is, but it, but it's but it's a great group of people. It's a passionate group of people who believe in it, um, and we get together and talk on a regular basis. Do you like you don't have magazine shows like we have card shows or there's comic shows and that sort of thing. So do you do you and your fellow magazine collectors? Do you go to the sports card, the national convention, or other card shows? looking for these things are you going to flea markets are you going to other sources to to find copies besides say like ebay and other online uh, platforms yeah so finding you know you can find subscription issues everywhere so if you're interested in that part of the hobby you know great subscription issues are all over the place finding newsstand issues are a lot harder and and that's the reason why people are paying you know thousands and tens of thousands of dollars of uh, you know for these graded magazines is because they're impossible to find it really is a grind you've got to go to the antique malls and the flea markets and the garage sales um if you're on ebay you're certainly going to pay a whole lot more for it um and a premium for anything that you can find on ebay but but it is it is a grind and it is a hunt to be able to source these uh to source these newsstand issues all right no good insight right there uh here we have a comment from jgk collectible says i think potential growth in this new vertical is unlimited remember sports illustrated has been part of the fabric of american sports for almost 70 years i i i listen i agree with the sentiment there it has been a part of the fabric for since it came out it's everybody knows about sports illustrated i mean i'm i'm up here in canada and I had my own subscription several years here and there. It's it's not it, it's it's a it's it's everywhere. Sports Illustrated is everywhere, just like Topps baseball cards are everywhere. We're everywhere. So, I mean, are you kind of secretly hoping that this thing does blow up and take off? And obviously, you've got a nice collection, so the value would go up. But are you? Would you like to see the magazine collecting community grow to be something that was? maybe never as big as baseball cards, but you know, a lot bigger than it is today. You know what? I think if that happens organically, I'm completely fine with that. You know, I, I try and be as genuine and as authentic as I can be. I'm in this cause I'm a collector and I'm doing this cause I love it. Um, not because I think that these things are going to be worth a ton of money in five or 10 years. They are great. Awesome. But if not, I do it because I love it. And I think that that's the great part of where the hobby is right now. It's full of a lot of collectors that are really passionate and love these. And I think the bigger it gets, there are pros and cons that go with that. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Brian Adams says, is having the white label on the front bad? So uh, briefly, uh, Sports Illustrated in the mid-90s moved from a stuck-on mailing label to what's called the white box method, which was an actual white box that was part of the actual cover of the magazine. Yes, that is considered a subscription issue. Even if the white box is blank and there's no address on that, CGC will label that 
as a subscription issue and they will list it separately in the CGC census with the other subscription issues. So it is not, not, it is not good from a collector standpoint. All right. All right. So we are on collectible live right now. This show is coming to you uh, courtesy of collectible app, the fractional ownership uh, company in our space. And I do want to ask you with that, uh, James is how do you see fractional ownership fitting into the overall hobby landscape? And obviously they they've, a lot of sports cards, lots of memorabilia, but at least one, if not two or three magazines are trading on the platform or have been IPO'd on the platform, including the first Wayne Gretzky cover as recent as a few months ago. Uh, how do you see fractional ownership uh, impacting your hobby? Yeah, I think it's just like anything else with 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 what they're doing with fractional ownership. I think it's... it's um... I think there are two different, you know, and again, I, my novice view of fractional ownership, I think there are two different uh, people. I think there are people that that want to, you know, take part in fractional ownership from a pure investing and speculation standpoint, and that's great. And then I think there are other people that are that that just think it's cool that I can, there's no way I could afford this Wayne Gretzky Sports Illustrated that sold for $30,000, but it's cool that I can own a piece of it and know that I can own a piece of it. So yes, I think that absolutely the magazines have a place in the fractional ownership space, just like the rest of all the great sports memorabilia that's out there on those platforms. Well, James, I got to say thank you. Uh, I feel like I could ask you questions for another hour at least. And uh, and the chat had several and we couldn't get to them all, but I tried to pick out the ones I felt were most relevant. So thank you to the chat for joining us today. Uh, thank you to you, James, for coming on and sharing your your knowledge and experience and it's you know you're you're just a passionate collector who loves what you're doing and you're willing to share that knowledge and put it out there tell us a little bit about your youtube channel where can we find uh, your youtube channel yeah so just well, search cgc sports illustrated i'm also on every other social media platform it is the same username on every platform and if you had a question and we couldn't get to it here i'm i'm really open shoot me a dm i am still fortunately this is still a small enough hobby that i can respond to all of my dms so if anybody's got questions, um, just shoot me a DM and I'd be happy to get back to you and, and talk you through anything. Well, that's awesome, guys. You can find uh, you can find James Instagram uh, on the on the ticker right now, along with mine. Shoot him the, the questions on magazines. Not me. I won't know the answer. Uh, Mod Cult says great guest, great host, great show. Thank you, uh, Mod Cult, very much. What is JGK says? I do believe CGC knows how huge SI collecting can be because they had insight to put issues with subscription labels into their population report. Yeah, they, you know, that, that that's that's really great to hear from them. All right, we're gonna wrap this up, James. Thank you so much. This was awesome. I uh, I really enjoyed it. Thanks again to the chat. And uh, well, final comments from you, and then I'm gonna end this. Uh, yeah. So uh, you know. This is just a lot of fun. I have no idea if these are going to be worth a ton of money, if they're going to blow up like uh, game tickets did in the last couple of years or not. Um, but don't worry about any of that stuff. It's a lot of fun. There's a lot of us that have a lot of nostalgia to it. It's a good community full of good people. Um, reach out to me on social media. Shoot me a DM. I'd be happy to walk you through any questions. And Jeremy, I can't thank you enough for having me on. This was a ton of fun for me, too. Same here. Well, as you were uh, as you were just alluding to, collect what you like. You can't go wrong. Game Time Gallery, thank you so much for that. All right. With that, everybody, have a great week ahead. No Collectible Live next Sunday, but we will make up that episode probably on Tuesday, uh, the week after. I believe November 1st, that would be something like that. So thank you, everybody, for joining. James, again, thank you. Thanks for the chat. And this episode is now over.